You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Quick heads up. Today is going to go fast. It's the power hour, and we're only doing one hour today. So jump in as quick as you can. Uh, If you press one on your phone right now, you should be able to squeeze in but that's not gonna last long. So if you haven't already pressed one, do it now. That'll put you in the queue for questions. If you press it a second time, it'll take you out of the queue. So I just saw a couple actually disappear. Um, So if you wanna jump in, I would do it quick. We're gonna get started. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is the power hour. I'm joined by the guys from Pittsburgh Power. We've got Bruce and Ethan and John with us. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. We'll focus on engines, performance, fuel economy, upgrades, modifications, troubleshooting, emissions, new technologies, new ideas, and we can also take questions on general maintenance topics as well. Whatever you've got, bring it to the table. We'll talk about it. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Let's see what's new and exciting over at Pittsburgh Power this week. Bruce, John, Ethan, welcome, guys. Thank you for having us, Kevin. It's always a pleasure. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Hi, Kevin. Good. Good. Always exciting to be here. We We always have uh, tons of questions. Go ahead, Bruce. We want to wish you a happy birthday. We understand you've turned 54 years old today. Is it my birthday today? Nobody told me. (laughs) I know you get so wrapped up in your work, it's just another day. But you're only 14 years younger than me now. That's right. It's a good day, but it's just another day. (laughs) But hey, a couple things. Uh, Ethan did some magic today. He was able to write a program on an 8.3 ISC. It's an 8.3 liter Cummins in a motorhome. Stock horsepower was 330. And the last time I spoke with him, we were up to about 412 horsepower on what's called Armco Hill coming out of Butler. And anyone that's listening that has stayed at the motel, that's that long drawn out hill that brings you up to the car dealerships coming out of Butler on Route 8. Uh, they went from 30 miles per hour, no, from 40, they took it up to 50. So they gained a full 10 mile per hour on the hill and didn't gain any heat. So that that's all good news for people with the ISC, whether it's in like an FL60 or FL70 Freightliner or a T300 Kenworth, any medium duty truck, we can now help those. Also, I love that. And, and, and you know, in general, let me love. jump in there. Just in general, 
I love the idea of getting more horsepower and torque out of smaller engines. I, I've always leaned towards the, the smaller engines, even in Class 8. So it's exciting to see what's possible out of some of these smaller engines. That's right. And this motorhome already had the Gal Banks kit on it, which really wasn't doing a whole lot. So, But I think, I think Ethan is going to be searching for another... Uh, try to get it to 450 horsepower but we'll let him talk about that and then we wanted to talk about estimates every time somebody calls they want an estimate and john's going to elaborate on estimates because an estimate is strictly an estimate we uh, most of these trucks we've never seen you don't know who else has been in there and messed things up you have no idea how rusty bolts can be What's going to break when you're taking it apart, such as on caterpillars? You've got uh, exhaust manifold bolts that break all the time, and that adds hours to the build. So it's very, very hard. And then, well, how much is it going to cost me to rebuild? And then I want to add the OPS. I want to add the fleet air filters. I want to add the mufflers and the ECM programming. And I'll tell you, it's easy now to get up to $30,000 on rebuilding an engine in the chassis. I believe and it. One last thing. One last thing that I want to say is, you know, the uh, surge is on for people looking for older trucks to stay away from the electronic logs. In 95, and this is all Caterpillar, Cat came out with the 5UK engine, and then it was followed by the 6TS and 1LW and 5DS. I think the 5DS was a C16 DCM. That's 5DS. And the 7CZ was a 16 liter with a 70 pin. And then the 70 pins really started in 99 with the 2WS engine, which led into the 6NZ. And everybody wants the 6NZ, but the 6NZ equipped trucks are not exempt from the electronic logs. So if you can find a, a truck with a 5EK, 1LW, 6TS, they are all great Caterpillar engines, but the very first thing you need to do is to change that torsional damper on the front of that crankshaft. That's the very first thing. So that takes you from 95 through 99 or up to 99. I, I want to talk about the big picture on that because this is a topic we've covered. And I put a lot of thought into it. My gut reaction is I hate more government regulation, more government intervention I've never been a fan of hours and hours of service completely. As far as I'm concerned, get rid of them. Let people manage their own time and their own sleep. And if they can't, then you fine them heavily and get them out of the industry. But the, the hours of service have all kinds of problems. And the last 10 years have been a nightmare. And when people complain about ELDs, we're really complaining about hours of service. Because the ELD is just a way to enforce the rules that are already there. So we're really complaining about the rules that are already there. So just so people don't say I'm pro-ELD, pro-government, I wanted to get that disclaimer out there. If it was up to me, not only would we not have ELDs, we wouldn't even have hours of service. But we have them both. That's the reality, and we need to deal with it. And I got thinking about this. Would I go back to a 98 truck just to avoid the ELD? Now, I would have done it before to avoid the emissions, but we're past that now. 
So I'm getting excited about new trucks. I, I would not go back to a 98 just for ELDs and something I think people should think about. The vast majority of the industry will not be in those older trucks. I don't know what the percentage is, but my guess is somewhere near 90% of the industry will be on ELDs. So now think about enforcement out on the road. They're not going to bother with the trucks that have ELDs. It's totally controlled. The, the odds of finding a logbook violation on one of those trucks is slim to none. So guess where they're going to focus all of their enforcement ELD and logbook issues? On the 5 or 10% of the guys running the older trucks. Who the hell wants that kind of attention? <laughs> that, that's an angle I hadn't thought of. <laughs> well, I can tell you, Kevin, with the ELDs, I could never become an owner-operator because I sleep best in a two-part day. My body likes to sleep four hours. It likes to get up and go back to work for a couple and then take another three. I could never well, you know, sit somewhere for 10 hours. So. You know, they they did make one good change. They're bringing back the split sleeper time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it, it's at least a step in the right direction. Because, again, we're really not arguing ELDs. We're arguing hours of service. All we're saying is without ELDs, it's easier for us to cheat. But it's still the rule that is the problem, not necessarily the ELD. But it's just going to be very easy for enforcement to identify pre-1999 trucks and say, there's a logbook violation ready to happen. And I, I just see them targeting those old trucks, and you just don't want that kind of attention. Hmm. Okay. Well, that was very well said. Uh, can we let John talk now about estimates? Absolutely. John? All right. R real quick, Merriam-Webster defines an estimate as, A, to judge tentatively or approximately the value, worth, or significance of, B, to determine roughly the size, extent, or nature of, and C, to produce a statement of approximate cost of, which is where we are. So we do our best here to stick to those. I mean, I'll try to be as accurate as possible on an estimate, but some of these older, older trucks with parts that are hard to get and they're difficult to work on and have rusty nuts and bolts, uh, I do everything I can to stay within and, and live and die by my estimate. But there are parts that we can't see that we're going to need. There's no way to know in the future what this job is really going to cost. And the bigger the job, the greater chances of it overrunning that. So we're dealing with a situation right now that, that's that's difficult. And I just want to get it out there to everybody. We do the best we can with our estimate, but we're not always going to be able to nail it. And you're going to have to understand, especially with the older equipment, these are things you're going to have to come to ex expect when you run a 1998 or 99 truck. So back to your back to your thoughts on the ALD and wanting to go backwards, you know, that far back on a truck. So yeah. you know, we do the best we can do, and it's not always going to be possible to do it. And keep in mind, it is an estimate. Uh, there's nothing that says we have to have to hit that number. That's that's a best effort um, you know, device to to give you an idea of what you're going to spend. Well said. I agree. It's good to get that message out. We're going to get to a break. We're going to come back. And uh, since we've only got an hour today, we're going to jump right into the calls and questions because we got a bunch of them. So when we come back from the break, we're going to get right to your questions. Stick around. This is the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
the guys from Pittsburgh Power are here as well. back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we're going to get right to your calls and questions. We're off to South Dakota. Brandon, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are we doing this week? Good. What can we help you with? Well, last week I called in. I, I was the guy with the Caterpillar engine getting combustion gases in the coolant. Uh, oh, okay. I guess I kind of I have a game plan for my motor there because of course I wasn't quite ready for that to happen. Uh, I just kind of want to know what the boys thought about that and I have another another truck I actually picked up that I want to see kind of what we're, our thoughts are on. Uh, basically my plan is I found a used motor for my truck. It's got 650,000 miles that I can pick up for about $10,000 and I know I can handle the motor swap. And then, that, you know, that would buy me more time with my truck, not to mention I get an extra ECM, I get the extra twin turbos, manifolds, I get, a, you know, just a, a gamut of extra parts with, you know, that whole purchase. I think that that might be a kind of a brilliant thing for me, just the part value alone would be worth having extra sitting around for a guy that can do a lot of his own work. Uh, and, then it's, and then probably having my other one, you know, rebuilt out of the frame. I don't know what what what's your guys' take on doing something like that. What your engine that is getting the compression into the cooling system? What year is that? Oh, oh five cat C fifteen BXS. Okay, all right, so it's a BXS, and the one you bought is in a B or an M or an N. Oh, I'm sticking with the B. Sticking with the B. Okay, well. John, what's your thoughts on you? You're the Acer guy. That, that, that I think that sounds like a better deal up front than it really is going to be. It's going to be a tremendous amount of work converting it over. And then you still have, even if it is your labor, it still has, has sizable value. Uh, then yep. you're going to have a whole lot of time and effort into an engine that still has 650,000 miles on it. And if you don't know how it was stored, you don't know how it was ran, you don't run, you don't know how it was maintained in the past. Um, you know, if you've got current oil analysis on it, maybe you'd want to put forth that effort. Uh, if you're that, if you're handy enough to change the engine, you're probably handy enough to do an in-frame yourself, uh, which is what I'd recommend. I would just uh, get a good look at the block. You're probably going to find either a cracked head or or a cracked uh, liner, and you know, for for the cost of a rebuild kit and you know, a week or so of your labor, um, you may be quicker, you know, you're going to have a rebuilt engine then. You'll have fresh everything um, inside anyway. 
it, that's not a bad deal. It might be worth buying that thing and just setting it aside and rebuilding it to put in the truck at some point in the future. But I wouldn't put forth that effort for a used engine, personally. Okay. Okay. I'd sooner rebuild the one that was in there. All right. And then, you know, when we were on the phone last week, I was in the process. I had, I'm a small carrier, so I have another guy that's leased on to me. There's just the two of us with our two trucks. And uh, I actually sent him out kind of in Kevin's neck of the woods there. I found a truck for sale, found a 98 Freightliner with uh, C12. I want to say, if I remember right, it's a 2KS serial number, C12, 10-speed in it, and 307 rears. It's got a million two on it with 200,000 on an in-frame. Uh, I kind of wonder what your guys' thoughts are on that, and because uh, we're picking it up today, I guess. And I, I'm kind of thinking I'd like to bring it out, have you guys check it over, probably do a, you know, a torsional dampener and a balancer on the front of the motor just right out of the gate, and probably do a dyno run and see if we can kind of tune it up. What? As long as I don't have to throw any other hard parts into it, kind of a ballpark of what something like that would cost me to get that motor running tip-top. <laughs> the uh, the C12 is a great engine. Uh, it's going to need some power. The power box works great. The power box manifold and turbo on power level 3, the engine produces 550 horsepower. Carl Kellner out of Buffalo, New York, runs a C12 now. And with his, he put everything on it that we have. He did not rebuild the engine. And on tire level five, on the dyno, that C12 went to 729 horsepower. He wanted to take it up to tire level seven, and I was kind of concerned about that. So we just settled right in there at 729. So the C12 does a great job, and with 200,000 on an in-frame, Think about the manifold, turbo, power box, or ECM programming, and the damper and the balancer. And you'll have a great engine, and you'll really like it. Well, I figure, if nothing else, at least it's a good spare truck for us to have when we have some downtime. Then a guy isn't relying on, well, we got to try to, you know, fix things quick or fix things cheap. And if we fix things quick or cheap, it isn't fixed right. So this way a guy can keep That's the truck rolling and not have to worry about anything. And the C12, if you're... We're going to do some local running, and especially in flat country, it it does a phenomenal job. Well, we, no, kind, of, I, we I, kind of run all over, and we're out in the, we do a lot in the northwest, and we do a lot all the way. You know, we pretty much do all mm -hmm. the states except nothing north of New York, nothing in California. You know, I, we I have really zero complaints and it, zero it, failures it, on a C12. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, Bruce. I I see. That's just one of those bulletproof engines that we just don't see any problems on. And I think part of our thought process on that engine is just a, a misplaced perception. We're so used to 15 liter cats that we think of the C12 as a small engine, but it's the same as a Series 60. It, and, and like you said, you're, you're getting 700 horsepower out of that thing. Um, I, don't, I don't look at that as a, a small engine or a light-duty engine at all. I mean, I think head-to-head, -head, it's a stronger engine than the Series 60. We get excellent fuel economy out of them, and they just are, are trouble-free. I'm a big fan of that engine. Well, that's, that's what I was looking to hear. 
I've always said that if I decide to buy a motorhome, I want one with a C12 cat. If it made sense cost-wise, I would swap out my C13 for a C12 in a heartbeat in my motorhome. Right. So now you're thinking right buying that C12. That's that's a that's a good buy right there. Yep, I agree. We're we're going to move on. We got a lot of questions. We're going to get to El Paso. Daniel, welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon there, Kevin. Uh, Pittsburgh Power, how are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Um, I, I got a quick question for you there, Kevin. Um, I'm, I'm looking, I'm kind of new into the uh, admission motors. Um, I, I'm, I'm upgrading out of, uh, out of an A-strip motor. Uh, uh, 2005, and I'm trying to go aerodynamic for the drivers, and I'm looking at getting possibly like a 14, uh, like a 2014 or a 2015 uh, a T680 maybe, or a, maybe a Peterbilt 579, but I don't know nothing about these trucks and what's going to be the best, uh, uh, you know, the best truck to get for trying to get the fuel economy for what we're doing. We're doing, you know, heavy loads all the time, and I'm not really you know, I'll sure let, these rear ends. I'm gonna I'm gonna let John and, and those guys weigh in on which engine your choices really are gonna be the MX or the ISX. Uh and I'll let them because they're the ones with their hands in those things every day. But one thing I want to clarify, and this is just kind of yes. a pet peeve of mine in the industry. The industry industry keeps to referring to emission engines after 08. And you, you just said it, and I just want to be clear about this. You said my first emission engine, and then you said you had an Acer. The Acer is clearly an emission yeah, well, engine. But the industry yeah. keeps saying they, they've been trying to make it sound like the, the emission engines are the 07 model, which really wasn't sold till 08. Just a little pet peeve of mine. They, these 04 <laughs> through 08 engines are clearly emission engines. Um, John, you guys jump in on the engine choice there. Uh, I'd go with the uh, 680 with the uh, ISX in it. Personally, I'd get the you know whatever the biggest uh, in 2014. What was it 550 or? Uh, you can get a 600. 614. Yeah. Okay, 600 horse. ISX is probably the direction I'd go if that's what you're sold on. And personally, you'd have to consider Cascadia of the same vintage with the DE15 in it if you're really looking for fuel okay. mileage. I think I think out of the okay. box without modification, you're probably going to do a little better with the uh, DD15 fuel mileage wise. Um, the ISXs we've tuned are getting up there. They don't they don't get quite the fuel mileage the DD15s do, but we do have some. We've had some success with those. At the, it seems that with these new engines, the tuning isn't automatic fuel mileage anymore. It's got a lot to do with the driver. Uh, they're pretty efficient yeah, as they are. Okay. If no, it was my, a low horsepower spec. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. That's what I was going to ask about. Because what I was looking at doing is that you know I'm 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 trying to get away with uh, uh, trying to you know it's just I've had so many problems with the drivers over you know last couple of years with the other trucks you know having flashy trucks and nice chrome and uh, you know they just don't appreciate. It. That's why I'm going to an aerodynamic truck uh, where you don't have to really worry about it no more. Just get the, the best fuel economy, but. Should I stay away from a fleet truck, say like from a Warner truck, where they're like 450 or 425 horsepower, uh, and you know, like, like? We will come right back after this break, and we will answer that question. 
Stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're going to get right back to the calls and questions. We're talking with Daniel in El Paso. Uh, Guys, if you want to tackle that, fleet truck or no fleet truck? I'm going to say something. Here's my problems with fleet trucks. They have the bare necessities. They have 10 speeds. They don't have a boost gauge. They don't have a pyrometer. They're single stacks. Uh, actually, everything today would be that because of the, well, DPF, it doesn't really matter, I guess. But uh, they're, they're so bare, I prefer an owner-operator spec truck. And if you want to attract a good driver, you should buy a, a nice owner-operator-equipped truck. And especially something with boost gauges in or they put the scan gauge in. But people, for some reason, they buy fleet trucks and they don't want to put the necessary gauges in to drive the engine properly. So that's why I'm against the fleet truck. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's just the, the 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 way, the reason I was wanting to go to a fleet truck is because, you know, like I said before, I, I had real nice trucks, real flashy trucks, and, you know, it's just I couldn't get people to drive them right, and, you know, they were able to take care of them. So that's why I was going a different route this time with these newer trucks. But um, Well, it, it, yeah. you know, going to the aerodynamics is clearly smart. And, you know, the classics tend to have a lot of chrome and a lot of aluminum. It needs polishing and upkeep. And the aerodynamic trucks, you don't deal with that nearly as much. You wash them. They look nice. I, but I think what – and I'm with Bruce here. You know – We'd much rather have a 13-speed than a 10 in today's world. The gauges are really nice. The gauge package you could upgrade on your own if you're willing to make that investment. You might be able to find a convertible out there. So it was a 9-speed. You can convert it to a 13. I haven't been paying attention to how common those are in that year. So there, there are some other possibilities, but I agree with what Bruce is saying. When you buy that limited truck, the 10 speed, the no gauges, you're missing out on some things and it doesn't cost that much more. So really what we're looking at is kind of somewhere in between what you've been doing. You've been going with classics and lots of chrome and now we're looking at aerodynamics, but we'd like to see some more upgraded stuff and you just may not find that on the fleet trucks. Let's go to Arkansas. Michael, welcome to the program. How you doing, Kevin? Good. What can we help you with today? Uh, I just got an oil sample I want you to get a quick look at. Oh, boy. Um, 
This looks like it uh, belongs to the Green Bay Packers. There's so much green and yellow on this page. That's not a good sign. Um, we, what year is this? It's a Series 60? What year? I think it's a 1998 model. Okay. So, guys, I'll, I'll read the report, and I'll let you guys take over. We've got a long history of increasing soot. So if we go back to March of 2016, it was our first really elevated sample at about 2.8. Then it leveled off a little bit last November at 2.1. February was 3.1. And this April was 4.6 on the soot. We have oxidation. We're starting to see high wear metals. But I think it's all going to come back to the soot. So uh, why don't you guys talk about what we could start looking for to, to figure out why this engine's so sooty. What is the oil change intervals? Uh, I've been going, uh, I've been changing oil about every 100,000 miles. That's okay, with an iron. What's the iron particles, Kevin? Um, this again, we had a, a, a history. If we go back, we were elevated last March back at 108, um, which was high for the amount of miles that was on that oil. Then we dropped down to 65. That was a pretty good sample, but that one only had 30,000 on it. Then we climbed up to 77 with about 60,000 miles. Now we're at 113 with uh, close to 80,000 miles. So the iron, all of the wear metals have been elevated, but that's common when we see soot. I think the soot is the underlying cause of the problem. And I don't care if it has 500,000 miles on the oil, we shouldn't see this kind of soot. Hey, okay, what about the silicon? What's the silicon level? It was slightly elevated. Again, if we go back to that really bad sample, which was last March, it was 13. We like to see it stay under 10. Then he was at 8, 9, and 11. So we're, we're getting a little more dirt than normal in there. Not excessive, though. Well, if that okay. was my truck, I'd be changing that oil, and I'd be doing it. I would change the oil now, and I'd probably do another one at eight or ten thousand until I got it cleaned up. I would continue to do a ten thousand mile oil change, and then I would start to extend it up to twelve and fifteen thousand. But I'd be putting a set of injectors in too. John, did you have something? Yes, Kevin. At the higher mileage, I don't have obviously I don't have it in front of me. The report. How low is the base number going, and how high is the oxidation? You know, the base number staying pretty solid. This is uh, Rotella T6 synthetic, so we don't start with a tremendous amount of base. Again, if we go back to that March sample, which is where the problem started, the base had dropped down to 2.86. That's getting a little low. Okay. But since then... Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. No. But since then, we've been at 5.3, 5.3, and 4.8, and the oxidation on this last sample is up to 28. That's excessive. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that to me. That that's the you're losing film strength there. I, I don't care what anybody says, and I don't think they flag that early enough. On in my opinion, uh, I think that needs to be flagged at a lower number. Um, I would do a blow by test on this. I'd I'd have uh, put a manometer on it, get it to a shop with a dyno, or bring it here and let us dyno it and uh, to do a, do a manometer test on it because it sounds to me like uh, we've got some cylinder wear. 
in ringware. So, Michael, I, really, we need to track down the cause of the soot. Injectors, highly likely overhead might need to be set. We should be looking at intake and exhaust restriction. It, this engine just needs a little TLC, and I completely agree. It could be a lot of blow-by. We're not seeing a lot of oil consumption, but um, something's going on there. And until you figure it out, I would decrease those uh, drain intervals down to – Bruce's schedule sounds good to me till we get this figured out. And I would ditch the synthetic for now because you're going to be doing such short uh, changes and just go back to a straight Rotella. Let's go to North Dakota. Oh, John, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, those quick changes are good for cleaning the engine. Do, do a couple of those and then give it another look. Yeah, and you might as well dump the synthetic until we figure this out. No sense wasting money on that. The, the standard Rotella would be great. Let's go to North Dakota. Brian, welcome to the program. Hello there. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I got a question. 2012 ISX, the fan runs a lot and goes like in phases of running a lot. It'd be like monkey with something, like air conditioning or like the intake sensor, and it'll quit for days or weeks at a time it seems like there's like no rhyme or reason for it is that i've been told it's ecm but i've been trying to track some wires and different things but i was just looking for some ideas That's... um have you, you ever replaced your the intake manifold air temp if they start to read we'll say funny and jump around it can cause the fan to go on and it's a, a an easy part that could go bad but fail in a way that is still valid. Yeah, that actually that was one of the things that I did when it was running for like a week, and I cleaned that, uh, just starting to clean stuff and like stay ahead of the emissions, and it didn't run for like three weeks after I cleaned it. Well, then it started running again. It kind of like starts slow and builds. Well, then I cleaned it, didn't do nothing. I put a new one in, it didn't do nothing. You know, so it's like I didn't track it. You know, I just, yeah. Uh, the best thing to do then is to get it to a, a place where we can, well, we can or someone can look in and see what value is, what, what's triggering the fan, because uh, you need to know what's telling it to turn on. Yep, I believe it was some intake air you know, sensors is what was doing it sometimes anyway. There are so many things that can turn that fan on. We've seen a... Uh pressure switch on the AC, turn it on. Yeah. There, there's a normally closed and a normally open switch on the AC. There are numbers of different things that could bring that fan on. Uh, even the oil temp sensors. Uh, how many inputs? That. 10 or 12 inputs will turn the fan on, something like that. So, yeah, it'd be worth look, looking around. It could be a number, any number of inputs there. All right. Thanks for the call. The music's playing. We're going to get to the break. We've got one more segment. We're going to come back and get to as many of your calls and questions as time allows. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. Got Bruce and John and Ethan with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we're going to get right back to your calls and questions. We're heading off to Michigan this time. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Say, I got a 2012, or 2012, 2017 uh, Volvo with a Volvo engine and the uh, I shift. I'm wondering, is there anything that you guys can do to that? I know before you were, you didn't have too much going with that. Is that still the case, sir? Ethan? Um, what year was it again? It's 2014. 17, 17, 17. now. Uh, I'm going to do it. We are going to do an installation of our soot separator for that. I've actually got a test truck lined up to do one with. Aside from that, we don't have anything for that, Bruce. Do we don't even do we have a damper for that by any chance? No, in, the damper is internal in the engine, so you have to take the engine apart to change the damper. But being oh, they haven't changed that design yet. Yeah, I don't think so. We have the fast okay. fuel system, and what about a fleet air filter? I could do a fleet those were too, my yeah. yeah, those are my two thoughts. Okay, fleet air filter. What's the dampener? What is that? No, no. Now, the um, damper is internal. You don't need that for several more years. The fast fuel system to take the air out of diesel fuel, that'll give you 30 more horsepower and a smoother pulling engine. And the... Uh, oh, okay. I bet I we could uh, fleet ceramic coat a manifold for that, though. I bet we could do that. We'd have to buy a manifold and start playing with it but That's those are the items to. that we have and we're we're going to have the soot separator on it so okay so some by the way john do you want to tell them the new name you want to tell them the new name for the soot separator sure yeah we, we've decided to go with uh, we're going to we're going to call it dorothy as in uh, from the wizard of oz and the tornado uh, the guys in the shop uh, nicknamed it that while I was working on it, and it seems to have stuck. And we've actually talked to some marketing people, and everybody seems to think it's brilliant. So uh, watch for our, our marketing campaign on, on Dorothy here for our our, soots, our little soot cyclone. So uh, I, I, we've got an interesting logo and a, and, a, and a tagline to go with it that uh, we're still tuning on a little bit. And uh, there will be a page on the website introducing you to her, and, and we're going we're gonna to go from there. I didn't get a vote on this. <laughs> That's because I, I, I never told you that story, did I? That, I you live too I, far away, when, Kevin. I, I know, but you when you started to talking about the tornado thing, and I like that, but the first thing that popped into my mind was Toto. Toto. <laughs> well, you know, this could, we could have a whole line of products in, in, in along those along those lines. So. Uh, be ready for some more. <laughs> yeah, everybody likes dogs, and we could come up with a cool logo. I, I immediately thought Toto. <laughs> See, Kevin, not if you would take an office in, if you would take so, an so, office so, in so. Audi, you could have had a voice in that. You could have, yeah. <laughs> we could be your your East Coast headquarters here. If yeah, uh, yeah, the. Uh, Interestingly, that the shape uh, where where we do the where the separation happens, where the magic happens in that thing is is a torus. It's not a cyclone. It's not a conventional cyclone. It's not a cone type cyclone. It's an actual torus, which is the geometric name for a donut, basically, which has is rooted in the same words as tornado. 
So that's uh, so if it's a it's a tornadic separator, not just a cyclonic separator. So uh, ah, so so it all it all it all works together. <laughs> yeah, I love the angle. That's great. I just yep. like dogs. So all right, well <laughs> we're, we're gonna head off to <laughs> Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, happy birthday, Kevin. Thank you. What's hey, on John, on the on. Well, on Dorothy, how about getting Helen Hunt to take a picture with it? Hubba bubba, how about that? <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, we'll find someone um, to, yeah. yeah there you you can probably imagine where all the marketing has gone on that and some of the, the, the pictures we've already come up with. It'll, it'll, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we, we know what we know. Imagine what the shop talk. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> so, yep. Hey, Bruce, this one's for you. Uh, 14 liter. D deck four, 2004. You guys in framed it in 2012. Uh, right now, I got about 320,000. By October, I'll be at the five-year mark and about 375,000 miles because I do locals. I don't do near as many miles. What do I need to do with the crankshaft damper? Being five years and less than 500,000, obviously the run, the engine runs smooth as silk right now. What should what do you suggest? Nothing. Don't do anything. Just enjoy it. Wait until it gets a half a million or ten years. Okay, I thought you said five years. That's what I wanted to find out. No, no, ten years. Okay, that's what I wanted. The, Thank uh, you. Uh, Vibratech that makes it say, "Nah, ten years. Uh, they can still be good." I said, "Well, when I cut them apart, cut them in half, and they're low miles, but they're ten years old. They're they're locking up." So. That 10 years was my figure, and that was from the research that we've done and, and cutting them in two. So, Got it. Let's uh, head off to Alabama. Joe, welcome to the program. How are y'all doing today? Good. Uh, my question is, I got a 90 model. Volvo's got a, a 3406B cat motor in it. What what can y'all do for mileage on those turbos or well, anything we, like that? We build the nozzles 30% larger. We set up the pump. We go to a high-altitude turbo and uh, the fast fuel system, the fleet air filters, the straight-through quiet performance mufflers, and we do get good fuel mileage and good power out of them. Do you? Good engine yield for the four and a quarter B and the four and a quarter C, yeah. There's still a lot of those running, and they're great engines. Yeah, this one's been setting up since 2011, and I'm fixing to put it back mm -hmm. on the road. And I, I had an end frame done, and I parked it, and it's only got about 50,000 miles on the rebuild. Okay. Make sure you don't have uh, algae grown in the fuel tank, so you might want to get some kill them. And, uh, what are the other things we have, guys, for algae now? The uh, pen rays doesn't is the, does the pen ray having uh, no pen rays for uh, that one just for asphaltine. Yeah, pen rays for okay. asphaltine, but the algae is what you may have in your fuel tanks, and you might want to take them off and steam clean them and wash them out, or just check it. if you check the fuel filter after you drive it for a hundred miles and pour it through your hand or into a jar and see if there's little black specks there's little black specks in then you've got algae because that's the waste of the algae 
algae is an actual living organism and and that's its crap Hey, Joe, I just want to jump in, and I, I want first option to buy this truck if we get hit by an EMP. <laughs> we're we're going to squeeze in probably one more call here. We're off to California. Al, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a 2014 P680 with a ISP. I just had it a couple of months. Um, and I get the engine derate light comes on. It's come on a few times in the past, but it goes away. But this time it's it's uh, it's staying on. It's been on for over an hour. Telling it's going to derate two hours. I was wondering if I did a regen, would would that help? If it's regen related, yes. Okay. Now some of the codes may not let you do a parked regen depending on what what's going on if it's related to that um it could be another sensor also causing that problem oh okay all right uh, yeah a few times uh it comes on and i, I read on the uh service manual here with the truck it says sometimes turn on the air conditioning power you know power in the truck accessories turn them off turn them off and it'll go away and that has happened A shop will have the ability to diagnose the problem and do a forced regen on it um, to see oh, if okay. it, that. Yeah, yeah, they can they can force the truck into one, and then it'll tell you if it it's still happy or what's wrong with the system. All right, all right. okay. And so um, another question: I when I took the area according to the dealer, they they did uh, the TPF thing and they took it out, put it in the oven, and all that. So they've only probably put maybe. It's possible if there's an underlying problem. Um, if there you have like an injector going bad and it's not, you know, spraying the fuel properly and it's causing a larger amount of soot to go through the filter, then yes, it can it can plug up prematurely. And with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're all out of time. We'll do it again next week. So join us then. Great questions today. Thanks to the guys at Pittsburgh Power, Bruce and John and Ethan. This has been the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Good night, everyone. All right, everybody, thanks. That's all we've got today. Uh, we will have destination help tomorrow, so we'll see you then.
Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.